Bijan Robinson is a complete running back because he combines athletic upside with the savvy nuance of a longtime veteran running back. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And make sure you follow in the footsteps of our everydayers, the people that listen to this podcast as their first listen each and every day. And we thank all those people, but follow in their footsteps so that you can be thanked by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So today's episode, guys, I am joined by my guest, Matt Waldman, breaks down the rookie's scouting portfolio at his website, mattwaldman.com uh, or mattwaldenrsp.com. And I've been bringing Matt on this podcast since, I think, the summer of 2017 when I had him talking about Brian Hill and his potential in Atlanta. And he's come back on many times over the years. Recently, a month or so ago, uh, multiple times in April to talk about the quarterbacks, receivers and running backs in this draft class. And we didn't talk really about Bijan that much in that episode when we talked about the running backs, uh, because I figured if the Falcons wound up drafting Bijan Robinson, I could just bring Matt back to talk specifically about that. And that is, of course, what we are doing on today's episode. So if those of you that are still out there being like, hey, you know, why is so much Bijan content? Why is podcast turned from Locked on Falcons to Locked on Bijan? You know, we'll talk about other guys. More on that towards the end of today's episode. But I don't, I'm not getting tired of talking about Bijan Robinson. Are you guys tired of talking about Bijan Robinson? I mean, you know, in an, for my everydayers, guys, right? You know, the people that have been listening every single day since the fall, we, you know, he's special, right, Bijan? Because my everydayers know that he he won over Jarvis Davis, guys. Right. Jarvis ain't about nothing but trenches, man. And he won over Jarvis. So like my everydayers understand that this is a big deal. So Bijan's a big deal. So we'll continue to talk about Bijan with Matt Waldman on today's Locked on Falcons. All right, everyone. We are back with another illustrious guest returning to Locked on Falcons is Matt Waldman, the creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. He's also a contributor over at the Football Guys. For those of you that want to get those fantasy tips and insights and matt is going to be here with us talking quite a bit about Bijan robinson the falcons newest running back and matt you know last time we talked you know you 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 told me hey i'm not just a running backs guy even though i often have you on this podcast to talk running backs but now it, it feels like we get the opportunity to talk about a very special running back and that is Bijan robinson but matt my friend welcome back to the show oh thank you so much and it's always fun to get to talk about the position but i like to i like to you know, always remind folks occasionally because I get called a lot about running backs for sure. And it is, it's a favorite position of mine. And it's nice to be in town here in Atlanta and get a chance to be able to talk about a terrific prospect. And Bijan is a player that I called a complete running back. Um, I'm curious, how do you feel about that statement and sort of what are his strengths and, and what are the potential weaknesses if he has any? I think it's a 100% correct or accurate statement to, to make. Um, he is a complete running back. And what you're going to see is a, is a player who runs with power, 
who has top-end speed, has the acceleration you're looking for from a high-end starter, and he has the movement skills and patience that you're looking for from a back who can run a variety of um, blocking schemes that you'd want to see. Well, Atlanta, you know, they like to run a lot of gap plays than what you saw with Tyler Algier and outside zone, but he can also run inside zone for you. And then on top of that, you can split him out. And while even the top running backs in, in the NFL that are receivers get very few looks as slot receivers or outside receivers, you the threat of what they can do can open up a lot for your for your offense and other personnel. And when you have Cordero Patterson and you have the receiving talents of a, a guy like Tyler Algier who can leak out of the backfield, and then you add Bijan Robinson to the mix who can run post patterns um, at a level where he can track the ball and take hard contact from defensive backs and earn the, earn the target. And he does that both on routes breaking inside and outside from the slot in the intermediate and deep ranges of the field. Well, now you've got a player who poses that threat that the defense has to respect. And so really imagine putting with Pitts and London and then taking, you know, you know, Patterson and Robinson, you can spread the field with those guys and force defenders to really declare some level of respect for any of those four players on a level that someone's going to be left with a real mismatch, maybe two players, but you know, you, you can't disrespect Patterson in in that role inside and you can't do that with Robinson. So you're looking at a back who overall, I mean, has improved his game over the course of his career, because when you first watch him, maybe like two, three years ago, you saw the athletic ability, but he leaned so much on that that sometimes he would do some things where you would like to see with interior runs that when a player makes a cutback, that he hugs a, the block that's on the front side so that when he makes that cutback inside um, or to the outside, wherever he should be hugging that nearest blocker, he's doing that in a manner where the backside pursuit doesn't get as easy of an angle to tackle him. And oftentimes guys like Robinson early in his career, when he would make the cutback or bounce, he would bounce. He would make the move too far towards the pursuit rather than hugging where he was, because you'd rather see him work through the contact of a defender coming off that lead block and be able to put, you know, really get downhill and run through one pad of a defender who's being blocked rather than, bend all the way back into open space, but that open space is quickly going to be occupied by a backside defender who's going to be able to put both pads on him and bring him down. And as his career progressed, you saw him become savvier at understanding how to hug blocks. And if you want to understand a good, uh, a good back who hugs blocks in the NFL, who's who you can watch, you know, highlights of go to any of Raheem Mostert's, um, work with the Dolphins or the 49ers, especially on gap plays where you see him work downhill and you'll see that he stays really tight to one block and almost grazes his shoulder and hips to the hips of his blocker to the point that sometimes he will have to run through a defender coming off that block. But you'll see how much space he's created um, as a result of that so that the backside pursuit can't reach him. And when you have speed, 
like Mostert does, like Robinson does. Now you're maximizing that speed and that momentum. And it's just a little detail that the best backs do, um, or at least competent NFL runners like Mostert. If we're not going to say he's one of the better backs, he's still a very good, a very good runner. And one, that's one of the things that he does really effectively. So yeah, I mean, Aaron Robinson, you're getting a player who's going to be capable of carrying the load. You get someone who really gives, you know, comparison wise, um, stylistically, I would say he has the the receiving potential and the movement skills with the explosion of a guy somewhat like a, a heavier set Reggie Bush, but um, also the in between the tackle savvy, the power, the patience, the the ability to process what his eye sees through what he does with his footwork so it's efficient and still be dynamic with that efficiency like Frank Gore. And if you combine those two guys, maybe the maybe the answer to that equation is a young Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, I, I do want to pick your brain on um, some of these player comps because I did do a breakdown of Bijan and I did compare him favorably to Frank Gore. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how he compares with the last high-level running back in Saquon Barkley as we continue today's episode here with Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. So we'll get more into how Bijan compares with Saquon Barkley and Frank Gore coming up on today's episode, guys. But first, I want to tell you about a delicious snack that is not only delicious because it's covered in 100% real chocolate, but it's healthy for you and it's low in sugar calories, but has a whopping 17 grams of protein, comes in a variety of delicious flavors, and of course, this snack that I'm talking about is Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And Built Bars are very convenient to you because they can be found at Walmart or Sam's Club. You can run into the pharmacy section in Walmart, grab a four-bar box of any number of flavors that Built Bar provides, like cookies and cream or double chocolate. You can go to Sam's and get a 13-bar box of brownie batter puff or churro. And, of course, you can always head on over to the website Built.com where you can get the limited-time flavors, right, such as red velvet or birthday cake on sale now. You can get the crispy. They have the, the puff Built Bars that are the protein infused marshmallow now they have the opposite the crispy and flavors like peanut butter and mint chocolate so head on over to built.com right now and when you do use the promo code locked on 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order again that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-1-5 for 15 percent off your order at built.com you know the, the the great thing about barkley when you saw him at penn state was he had an incredible size he ran low to the ground um, you saw ter- dynamic movement, jump cuts, great stop, start, acceleration, and he certainly has power, um, and the ability to run through contact. And that once he got into open field, he had the afterburners to you know accelerate and separate even from defensive backs in the open field. And he certainly liked his ability to catch the football. The difference between Barkley and Robinson is that. Barkley's a little more dynamic with his movements overall. He can make some of them the more highlight level jump cuts that move across multiple gaps and some of the stop start moves and fakes that he executes are you know kind of highlight real stuff. But the difference is is that Barkley tended to lean really hard on that athletic ability to his detriment even at penn state you would see him 
forsake open creases that he should see as open, even if there's a defender in it, and attack downhill and set up that defender later in the run as opposed to trying to cut back or bounce outside. And as a result of that, you would see Barkley make moves that would be an attempt to get, you know, a 30, 40, 50 yard gain on a play where he could have gotten an easy five to seven. And when he fails to get that 30 to 40, which happens more often than not, because rarely do you break gains like that, he'd end up losing yards. So he didn't manage the game well. Your Frank Gore comparison is a very good one because what made Frank Gore such a prized player, even into his mid-30s, is that coaches want running backs to manage the game. They understand that when they look at a stack box, that when the running back sees a stack box pre-snap, they see the potential for a run blitz. Or they understand and they look at what their play call is and they see they're thinking about the down and distance and they think, okay, it's second and five. We're backed up in our own territory inside, say, the 15. And I need to get in the box stacked here. Maybe there's a chance for me to make this cutback that's risky and I might break it for, you know, all for an 80 yard gain. Or, but more likely, what's going to happen is before I can, if I can't hit that cutback, I'm going to get stuffed for a three-yard loss. So I need to try, make sure that I'm following the play design as intended and get the hard yards because we'd much rather have a third and five or a third and three or third and one than a third and eight or a third and ten because you lost yards trying to get hit the lottery with the run. And Frank Gore was a master at that. And there are so many backs in the league that think when they enter the league that their athletic ability is going to propel them to make huge plays. Reggie Bush, as we saw, was, you know, fell victim to that early on in his career. And then once he matured, even though he had some injuries, you saw a much more diligent runner. Gore was always skilled at making the best choices. And that's why scouts and running back coaches would tell me year after year that he was the standard that running back coaches in the NFL would show players to say, you need to study his tape and understand how he runs gap plays, how he runs inside zone, how, you know, which are the, some of the harder plays to run between the tackles. Um, and Robinson is much more Frank Gore in that area and much more mature earlier in his career. It looked like he could go down that road of what Barkley's done. Um, but he started to get savvier with his decision-making and now understands how to manage the game much better. You'll still occasionally see it happen. I mean, even someone like Nick Chubb, who I revere as a running back, is I think is one of the best decision-makers in the league right now and has almost Saquon Barkley's um, athletic ability on top of that. He's a guy that even then, even with him, occasionally, if a team can be really gap-disciplined and sound, they can force a running back to get a little impatient and try to make plays creatively that maybe they shouldn't. That's just a, it's just like quarterbacks that the more you hit them, the more erratic their decisions are, the more you can plug up those gaps and force them to uh, consider cutbacks, um, you know, earlier in runs, 
the more likely you're going to get them to make mistakes. And so, you know, Barkley still to this day tends to be more impatient as one of the more impatient running backs with managing the game. He's gotten better at it, but he's still, it's still not a strength of his. Bijan Robinson, I would say, um, the the instances of impatience and and losing discipline are much fewer entering the league at this point than what it was with Barkley. So because you saw this progress from Bijan at the college level, you like the potential for him to continue progressing down this path at the NFL level? I absolutely do because if when you look at when you look at those types of decisions, um you you may understand that earlier in his career with the issues that he had that there will be some lapses and he'll probably get frustrated trying to make a play like he's he's look he's a young man in his 20s who's getting paid a lot of money who's going to come to Atlanta and and all he's going to hear about is and he knows he's the man he's they drafted him in the first round he's going to get the ball a lot he's going to be thinking I'm going to be getting a chance to be a league leader in rushing because look at what, what Arthur Smith did with Derrick Henry. I'm going to get the chance to be the next Derrick Henry in terms of production. And they're going to count on me. And as someone with, you got to have a healthy ego to an extent to be able to play in the league and, and to have the confidence to, to do things and, and make things happen and finding that balance, understanding, you know, for him, it's going to be about, understanding well at texas occasionally i could beat this 310 pound defensive tackle who's got me got this angle in the backfield i can i can outrun him there are going to be some plays he's going to learn fairly quickly that oh i can't do that in the league there's instead of it being one guy in the big 12 who can do that against me there's one every week in you know it just in my division alone not to mention outside of that, there may be even three or four guys on the field who I look at and go, there's no way they can track me down. And they all can if I'm not disciplined. So you're going to see some of those misstarts most likely, but I think you'll also see him correct it fast because he already did that in the league. And I would, you know, I remember interviewing DeMarco Murray way back in the day when he was with Oklahoma. And I saw him as a very athletic player early and then he had some injuries and he changed his style a little bit and i remember asking him about it and he's a running back coach in oklahoma now you know but i asked him and he said i learned pretty quickly at oklahoma that i couldn't out athlete people all the time he goes and every back pretty much has to learn that unless his name's bo jackson so you just you just kind of um you know as good as robinson is he'll have some you know, he'll have some fits and, and moments which you'll look at and say, that was an immature decision. But if he already is demonstrating that now, the chances are really strong that that maturity is going to carry over and he'll he'll have, you know, progress is not a linear thing most of the time. So you'll see some hills and valleys, but the overall trend will be upward. Absolutely. So guys, Locked on Bichon is coming to an end, but we're not done here on Locked on Falcons. And we'll wrap up today's episode talking with Matt Waldman about undrafted free agent wide receiver out of Oklahoma Baptist, Keelan Harris, who Matt likes, and talk about his chances of sticking on the Falcons roster to wrap up today's episode. 
Uh, last question for you, Matt. Um, you mentioned Keelan Harris uh, last time you were on talking about some of the receivers, the Oklahoma Baptist receiver that the Falcons signed as an UDFA. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious because I know you were also a big fan of Alameda Zacchaeus uh, when he was a UDFA for the Falcons four or five years ago out of the University of Virginia. Is there a similar skill set between OZ and, and Harris? What can the Falcons uh, expect from Harris? There is. And also a guy that you guys had in camp who flashed a fair bit, who's now on the LA Rams and seems to have stuck to the roster in Austin Trammell, an explosive player can play from the slot who has great short area quickness, um, which means that they can also stretch the scene when you need them to. Now, the big difference between Trammell, Zacchaeus and, and Harris is that, you know, Trammell and, and Zacchaeus proved it at division one football. Oklahoma Baptist obviously is far away from that. Um, and so you wonder how well he'll fare against NFL caliber athletes because he encountered a lot fewer of them at his division level of football. Um, but from what I saw, saw a player with a really wide catch radius who could make difficult grabs against contact or tight coverage where he had to work against the momentum of his break to reach back for the football. So natural hands, really good hand-eye coordination, sudden quickness, really good movement skills, things that play into becoming a good route runner and pass catcher and an open field player. So as long as the confidence remains as he moves to that next level, I would expect that he has some moments in camp that can earn him additional opportunities. And as long as he has the mindset and the emotional ability to handle the the ratched the, the notched up pressure that comes with playing in the NFL, I think you've found yourselves a, a nice free agent who who should make the team and maybe develop into a contributor. Well, definitely looking forward to that, um, Matt. Really appreciate you coming on, telling us about Bijan Robinson and Alameda's. I'm sorry, and Keelan Harris. See, I'm already making the See, replacement. You're ready. Brain, yeah, that he's ready to go uh, to fill that OZ role. But uh, let the people know uh, when uh, and where they can find your stuff, uh, and and where they can what you know what type of information they can get in the rookie scouting portfolio now that the draft is over. Sure. The, the Rookie Scouting Portfolio is an 18-year-old publication. Um, it's I have a pre-draft and a post-draft. The pre-draft came out April 1st. The post-draft came out about a week and a half ago. Um, post-draft's more fantasy-oriented, so if you want a cheat sheet with tiered rankings that gives you kind of a calculation of where you can get the best value for each player um, by looking at the average draft position of players versus my post-draft rankings, you know, I give you depth chart analysis that's spans over 200 rookies um, at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end positions. Um, so you get, and even reviews of who I think were good fits, um, plus, you know, bad fits, or at least difficult fits for guys, you know, thoughts on uh, several undrafted free agent players as well. And then of course there's the rookie scouting portfolio pre-draft that you get along with it for 2195, which is really the most comprehensive look at rookie prospects at those, four positions that you're going to find available. It's one of the two most purchased draft guides for cross-checking purposes by, um, you know, NFL personnel people, according to folks like Alex Brown, who is the head of recruiting at SMU, formerly worked at Rice and with Tom Herman at Houston. Um, and he meets with these, 
you know, personnel folks every day. So he knows what they get, what they like to use as a cross-checking device and tells me regularly that the RSP is, is one of the two most purchased there. So if you want something that's rooted in real football, but, you know, also gives you an eye towards fantasy football, um, you can find it at mattwaldman.com. All right, guys, that's it for us. Uh, we'll probably have more from Matt Waldman next week when we do probably Locked On Desmond Ritter week, right? Uh, and we'll talk about Desmond Ritter. We'll talk about other players on this offense that get me excited. You know, John o. Smith and Parker Hesse haven't gotten enough love this offseason, so we'll get into that. We'll probably still talk about B. John Robinson as well and talk about how those players help Desmond Ritter, how Ritter can help those players this upcoming season. If you're looking for that Matthew Bergeron scouting report comprehensive film breakdown, my plan initially right now is that that will be at the end of next week. So probably one week from today, whichever day you're listening to this Thursday night, Friday uh, afternoon, Saturday, whenever. Uh, so uh, that will be the plan for that. So continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen all week long, guys. And of course, you can do so on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the Locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes. They recently did a breakdown of Desmond Ritter and the Falcons outlook. They really liked the Falcons outlook. They were not as big a fans on Desmond Ritter and a couple other places. So find out where Kyle uh, Krabs and Joe Marino, you know, differ or, or share thoughts, you know, by checking out Lockdown NFL Scouting uh, the other day. I think it was the Thursday episode. So go check that out on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, guys. Have a great weekend. Your team every day.